You're listening to Something Real with Pastor Rich Zeiger and Stacy Cozio, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. Thanks for joining us. Advertisements. So you're over pumpkin spice. Yeah, I actually. Enjoy. Hi. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the Home of Professional Podcasting and, and inane, pumpkin spice. inane, pointless conversations. But yeah, I just, uh, I will take my pumpkin spice and a pie. Thank you. And I am happy to have the rest of it. I'm sick of hearing about it. It's like, we why must... do we have to talk about it all the time? I, you know, I'm going to have pumpkin spice baked beans and pumpkin spice tires and everything's pumpkin spice. I'm like, can we just let it be what it is and enjoy it and enjoy the fall and not beat it to death and kill it. it. In August, they're talking about, you know, it's fall, it's fall, it's fall. It's not fall, September 1st, it's fall. You got a month yet before so, we get to fall. You're talking to And I love person. fall, fall's my favorite them. season. However, let's not lie. Let's not talk about peak fall being achieved when it isn't even fall yet. My argument though, is that fall is too short. Okay, we can make that we can make that argument because because you it's it's hot now into September, and then it's the first snow is in November. So fall is a very short window. So it's so the hottest wanna... day of the year. In you know whatever it was September first week of September, I don't even remember the days all run together. For Do me. you remember the <laughs> hottest day of the year? And I'm watching a Dairy Queen commercial talking about it's peak fall like it can't be peak fall but that's think about what you're saying it's the hottest day of the year what sounds better than a pumpkin pie blizzard zero uh, things reality <laughs> go away <laughs> go away i like to live in the world we're in not oh, the world that golly. i want to con, con, you know create i want to live in the world i want to create and it's always fall and winter but how does that work how's that working for Listen you to creating me. this fantasy world so if I don't leave my house, great. So here's the thing. We have four seasons here. If we didn't have four seasons, then I, you know, it would be a different place. Like you can go to Monterey, California, and it's always, you know, spring and fall. I refuse to go to Monterey, California. Uh, well, especially these days. But uh, you go to Hawaii. It's the same season all right. the time. I couldn't right? do it. So part of the beauty of being here is the appreciation of what we don't have right now because it's coming. And the the ability for it to to you know rotate through and have all these things. But doesn't summer it, just seem insufferably long? Well, yeah, generally yeah. speaking. So you can't. So do you want to make people. fall seem insufferably long? It would you wanna, never you be insufferably long. Uh, summer Listen, is oppressive. Once the, fall is once never the leaves go off, once the leaves are gone, it's no fun anymore. What if it was like this for like three more weeks? It like earlier. I want some sunshine. Oh, this is why I have a vitamin D deficiency. This could be your health issue. Like that here. makes me want to cringe. I hate it. Yeah. I hate the sun. It's too bright and hot and I'm, sticky. You're killing your Latina cred. <laughs> oh. Next to Stacy is no longer Next apparently. Next to Mexicozy. Mexicozy. That's brilliant. <laughs> New screen name. <laughs> I have people would call me racist, but you can't because I'm Mexican. So I beat you up. I'm digging it. <laughs> now I need to go to Taco Bell. Oh, get me seasonal a Seasonal things wrap. need to be seasonal. If you want to let pumpkin spice be year long, I'm good with that. It is for me. But Right. But when something is year round, year long, you don't advertise it all the time the same way. You don't do that. 
because people would get annoyed. But because the fall season is so short from an advertising perspective, if you have a special seasonal item, like let's use the pumpkin pie blizzard. Sure. If you have a seasonal item that you need to advertise and you only have a small window to do it, because in like November, they're going to come out with like the peppermint blizzard or whatever. So they have a very small window where they need Still to make- Still not winter they need to make and as not much Christmas as time. So I don't want to talk to you if you're going to be this negative about things. October 3rd, November 1st, Christmas tree goes up. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm okay with playing Christmas music year round because there's too November much. November first. There's too much. Christmas I used to be really hardcore. Thanksgiving dinner is the break point. You don't play it till after dinner on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. But there's just too much good music. Too and, much you, and not enough time but, to listen to but it. But you know what you don't have is people pushing Christmas music all the time as the only thing in the world, and we're going to make everything into a Christmas song in August. It's Although I will say, hottest day of the year, I walked through the store, Christmas displays. Yeah, and didn't you feel good? No. Oh, man. I felt annoyed. And I love Christmas. Christmas, fall is my favorite season. Christmas is my favorite time of year. These are the things that I love. And I feel like you're cheapening it. It's like wearing your your prom dress to go mudding it. No, stop. Don't do it. You're wrong. Don't denigrate the sacred things with over... Overly common use. You need a nap. I might. <laughs> what are we talking about? Or some bread. Do I ever not need you need a nap and some bread? We do need bread. I've got coffee. I need some bread. If only someone had baked bread this morning. I am a failure at life. Add it to the list of things. That well, it, you did bake the bread. I did bake it. Just I didn't, didn't bring care it. about your partner here wow. to, to bring it in. Well, so, you know. It's whatever. I, I turned the coffee get it. machine I, I on know. for you. You are a glorious Because I thought George, See, is, George, Richard no, usually no, wants some no, coffee. Now I love you again. So Thank you. Good. You hated me for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you hated me because I dared to question the pumpkin spice I'm idol. I'm quite peeved. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> what are we talking Bow about? Bow to the bread? pumpkin spice. Oh, oh gosh. It's an, it's, it's an aesthetic, and I like the aesthetic. I also think chai latte is just a fancy way of saying pumpkin spice. False. <laughs> also false. Heidi likes chai. Probably not. But I, probably because I've had cheap chai, chai lattes. And not, cheap chai? Yeah. I've, I've had, had cheap chai. <laughs> not good. Yeah. Anyway, what are you talking about? Bread. Yes. Jesus. Bread. We, we do have important and eternal things to talk about. At least we're not talking about Cheryl Crow today. No, but I bet she likes pumpkin spice. <clears throat> she seems like a pumpkin spice girl. What just happened? Oh, the fan a kicked down. All of the newest spice girl, pumpkin spice. All of a sudden, my notes just flew off the table. That's weird because the fan they, it was it was the Holy Spirit just saying, "Well, they're not going to talk about this anyways." Did, did you hear that? That's the sound of people tuning out from the podcast. Oh, golly. All right. So what spice are we doing? Spice up your life. Spice up your life. And now they're back. They, they sensed the Spice Girl. They sensed the stuff. 90s references were coming. And here we are. That's exactly that's what, what you came tune for, in right? For. Anyway. And bread. That's what I come for. That I forgot. Why to are bring. we talking about bread? Because of Jesus. Well, that's, Jesus is the bread of life. Good. He is indeed. In fact, that was... What we were looking at on Sunday is John 6, uh, and in John 6, Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life. It's not the only place, but it is the place we were looking at Sunday. Uh, and it's a significant thing because in, in John 6, the, the chapter starts out with Jesus feeding 5,000 uh, with 
loaves and fish. <clears throat> and so he's, he's literally breaking the bread and, and performing this, uh, uh, this wondrous sign, this miraculous sign, demonstrating that he can do what only God can do. He's, John's point in his gospel is to point out the deity of Christ, that we might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and in believing have life in his name. And so as, as Jesus creates food from these things, uh, he's doing what only God can do. He is creating, he is providing, he is, uh, he is uh, doing the God thing because he is himself God. I have a really cool art print of that in my dining room. Jesus feeding the 5,000. Oh, really? It's like kind of abstract or whatever, but it's cool. I like it. Yeah? See, feeding them pumpkin spice lattes? He's feeding them fish and bread. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, would would, like, Jesus would like pumpkin spice lattes. I'm sure he would. But what he probably would not do is market pumpkin spice fish and bread, because that's what's going on now. Let's, let's have a pumpkin spice tuna sandwich. What about pumpkin like, butter on your me. bread? Now, that's delightful. Why would anybody ever question that? Because <laughs> I feel like you're doing that right now. Because things make sense. But Ugh. if you give me a pumpkin spice laptop and a pumpkin spice Bible. Nobody's pumpkin, doing that. It's everywhere. No everywhere one's you doing go. that. I'm serious. You go to walk through Meyer right now today. You'll find pumpkin spice pickles. Pumpkin. There's I would kinds, eat that. There's a lot of pumpkin spice booze everywhere. I would not. All this kind of stuff. I'm so intrigued. Like, like I love... If you walk down, if you walk down the center aisle at Meyer in the fall and winter, like I love, I'm a marketing sucker, and I love the labels on like fall and winter beer bottles. Yeah, they're so cool looking. Yeah. I'm like, well, I don't drink beer, but these but are cool labels. But you will drink deeply of the fall. I will. You will, you will imbibe yes. that anyway. any day. It, but in all seriousness, this is this is the, the Lord problem. is testing me. I love these things, and I feel like they are cheapened. We don't, which incidentally, not to, not to knock anybody else, but I suppose inherently it's kind of knocking. The well, when is that stopped you? Uh, that's why we do what we do with the Lord's Supper. Mm. We don't have a clear directive. Bring on, it back. We, we don't have a clear directive on how often we are to celebrate this remembrance, right. this sacred ceremony. Um, but we are to do it, you know, together. We're to, to you know, and then as often as we do it, we do it in remembrance of him. Uh, and so there are different views on it. And obviously the Catholic view and, and some others, uh, they celebrate it as the mass. And so uh, there's a different theology that goes into uh, this. But they're doing it all the time. It's a constant. Catholics. Um, you crazy Catholics. But, you know, but that's something that it, uh, a lot of Reformed folks right. do, do as well, Reformed Protestants. Um, I have a friend who's uh, pastoring a Baptist church. Uh, and they've really leaned into a reformed, almost, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a reformed Baptist, not officially by title, but, it, but they really are. And so their uh, doctrine leans much more toward what you might see in a Presbyterian church. So they take communion every week. They have the remembrance celebration every week. <clears throat> um, we do it once a month, which is relatively common among uh, a lot of uh, evangelical Protestant churches, Baptistic churches. Uh, you see, uh, you see that pattern. Some do it less often. I, I, um, I was in a discussion with some other pastors, and uh, I don't know if any of them personally or just churches in their areas were talking about this. But you know, some doing the ceremony once a quarter, mm -hmm. uh, some once a year, which mm -hmm. is just that seems crazy to me. So what what we have elected to do, and again. I, it's a fairly common thing among, among evangelical Protestants is to, to do it once a month. Mm -hmm. The reason that we don't do it more often is so that it doesn't become something that we just 
callously go through as a rote ritual that, you know, we just do it and it means nothing. Now, my friends who do it more often would, would probably argue with me that that's on the preacher to make sure that it's not that. Sure. I get it. However, um, I think it also is dangerous for it to just be something that's tacked onto the service. Uh, but as we're looking at this, the, the reason that <laughs> it's, it's a pumpkin spice marketing thing, the reason that we don't do this is because we want it to feel special. We want it to feel um, the way that it should have felt, that it, it would have felt in the early church. It would have felt that first night when they were taking the Passover, which they do yearly, which I assume is probably part of the reason that some churches would do it yearly. Um, so as you're connecting it with this sacred ceremony that looks back and remembers, Passover was a high point of the of the Jewish calendar. Still is, obviously. Uh, and Jesus is connecting himself with this annual ceremony and saying, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. So the church would do it regularly. And it's not entirely clear how often. Is that weekly? Is it daily? They're getting together daily. Does that literally mean daily or does it mean you know, right. you know, most of the time they're just doing life together. Uh, I, I think it would be tough to be dogmatic about those things uh, without getting into some specious connections where we start to um, make stuff up. And, you know, you can say, well, as an argument from prudence, we're going to make these decisions. But we can't be dogmatic about things where the scriptures are not dogmatic. That, well, I mean, we can. People do. It's not wise. Um, so for me, as we we're looking at, at doing this, I want to make sure that every time I participate in this ceremony, and I, I think in some ways it's harder as a pastor than it was for me before mm -hmm. that. Um, although I will, I do remember as a kid, we'd go through it and I'm like, okay, this is a, you know, right. kind of a tedious ceremony. Then as a teenager, I remember just weeping through it. Um, because I was getting it differently, you know, and, and I think the pastors that I had growing up were really good, I think, at connecting the dots, connecting the, the reality of God to the realities of life in a lot of ways. And so um, as we celebrate this together, we want in this sacred ceremony, which reminds us of, of it, it's using a, a ritual uh, to remind us of eternal truths and to recalibrate our thinking and to, uh, you know, reevaluate our priorities. And we want it, we want it to hit different than sure. it does on a, on a, on any other week. We want it to, you know, a little bit like Christmas, if Christmas were every day, well, you're just really which, sneaking that in wherever you can. <laughs> well, if Christmas were every day, right. Which if you watched the Santa Claus TV series, uh, recently, was it last year? I think it was last yeah. year. Um, that was kind of the premise. The, mm -hmm. the, the, the villain, if you will, the, the heel of the show uh, was like, Christmas is awesome. Why would we do Christmas every day? And it ends up destroying Christmas. It ruins the thing. And we don't want that. We don't right. want to create this. We, what we instead want is to have, uh, in effect, this, I'm going to kind of stretch the word a little bit, but this seasonal celebration that mm -hmm. we come through and, and we don't do it all the time. Sunday, the Lord's Day, is a day when we celebrate the resurrection. That's why we, we gather on the Lord's Day, is to celebrate His resurrection. So in that sense, every Sunday is Easter Sunday. But we 
don't, although some Presbyterians might, but, but, but we don't, you know, just run away from the celebration of Easter on the resurrection Sunday, that that's a special time set aside to specifically focus in a different way and a different um, impact on the resurrection. Uh, and part of that, I think part of the benefit of that is that how many Christians who go to church every week are actively thinking, I'm going to church today because I'm celebrating the resurrection. Right. It, it, it can lose its power when we do that. It's, you know, I think I'm just going to just make everybody mad today. Uh, I think, you know, in marriage, we've gotten this cultural phenomenon here that for thousands of years, people would look at us like, what are you talking about? Where date night is like the most important thing. I actually heard somebody say the most important or one of the most important things that you can do for your marriage is to have date night every week and all that. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world did people survive for all these millennia right. without, without this night. sage advice that we have to have date night? So the key, the, the, the key to keeping your marriage together and vibrant is a couple hours at Applebee's on on a weekly basis. Come on, this is ridiculous. So I'm, I'm not against it necessarily. I'm against the emphasis. And I guess that's kind of how, you know, back to the you know, halfway facetiously with the PSL stuff. It's not that I'm against it. I love it. I, I think we lose perspective on so many of these things when we overkill it. And, you know, having a special time of bonding between a, a husband and wife. Yes, you should definitely do that. When you prioritize that, over everything else, and this is the one thing that matters, then I think we denigrate the specialness of it in, in some ways. Uh, I, you know, I don't know, somebody could argue against what I'm saying here, they'd be wrong, but no, I'm just kidding. You can feel free, probably are wiser than I am. Opinions today, you know, I don't, I wouldn't know anything about marriage. I've only had you know a couple of decades here, three decades, I wouldn't so. know anything about marriage, but uh, you Me. know, as but as we're looking at it. Over the over the course of history, marriage lasted longer, and you know now our I don't think our track record on marriage in our society yeah, is great. great. Not great. So maybe date night is what's destroying marriage. Just kidding. It's correlated. And that's it's not causal. But as we're looking at what are you talking about? As we're looking at communion, the remembrance celebration, uh, that's kind of my fear with it. Is that we make it small and common when we do it too often, and I think that's a tendency that that we can have in ourselves and and, and in the church at large when we're even even doing it once a month. If we don't do it often enough, and there is a sweet spot, I don't know what it is. I we we're choosing this. Same thing with the date night. There is a sweet spot. You know, if if this is the all-consuming thing that we have to have, and you know. And, Nothing else matters. Well, then that's obviously a problem. Even as I say it, it sounds sarcastic right. as I say it. When it might be. Um, but if we don't ever do it, then right. that's a problem too. You know, if, you know, I remember, I remember date night. That was what, 1997, you know, then we're missing something there as well. Right. The point being, we, there isn't a magic formula. If there were, the Bible would have given us a prescription that said, do this as you gather on Sunday, do it this way, 
do it this many times, do it, you know, this often. And it doesn't do that. I think God intends. Okay. I know without question, God intends everything that he does, Mm -hmm. but I, I, I think that the reason or a reason that God doesn't give us clear prescriptions about this, rather we have the descriptions that are a little bit nebulous, um, is that we know that it's something that we are to do. Jesus commanded us to do this. We know that it's something that the early church did, but there's a lot of leeway for us to engage our minds and wrestle through it. I don't think that's an accident. God could have been very clear about it. and. It seems very evident that the God who calls us in Isaiah to come and reason with him, calls the nation of Israel to come and reason with him, uh, wants us to engage our minds at all times, to, to engage our hearts, our minds. And I think when we look at this ceremony of the bread and the cup, however you refer to it, I think all of the different names that we've assigned to it make sense. But this ceremony of the bread and the cup is supposed to engage our whole person, our whole right. being. And so when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 that a, that a person should examine themselves before they engage in this, um, examining is a mental thing. That's a, that's a mm-hmm. mind. I need to check myself. I need to think through what, what what's happened in my life. What's happened in my attitude? You know, where am I? Am I actually walking in the spirit or am I walking in the flesh? Have I Do I have things that I have covered up in my life and hidden from God. And I need to strip away the things that, that um, not that God doesn't see them, but there's just like Adam and Eve in the garden. God knew where they were. That was, it wasn't a matter of, Oh no, God can't find us. It was a matter of, Oh no, we're hiding from God. And I need to deal with that thing that separates us. And so it, it's an opportunity for us to, to mentally recalibrate, to, to confess our sins to examine ourselves. That's mental. It is, it should be as a remembrance. Remembrance is a mental thing with a, with an emotional expression. When I think about what Jesus did for me in, in dying in my place, when I contemplate the price that was paid for my freedom, it's very much like a memorial service for, for uh, someone who sacrificed themselves in, in combat or in some other way. Uh, a police officer who dies in the line of duty there. We recognize it mentally, but there is an emotional visceral reaction that is intended to be there. It should be there. I would go so far as to say it really must be there. If I don't feel something in that, am I truly remembering them? There, there is a pain that goes along with it. It should move us emotionally when we are specifically contemplating or holding the bread and the cup that represent the the body and the blood of our Lord, broken on our behalf, shed on our behalf. And we recognize that he took my sin, my wretchedness, and he put that on himself. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. That's a heavy thing. It's supposed to be a heavy thing. So it's mental and emotional. And the physical elements connect us with that's what i was just going to say it's so interesting to me that there's i mean if you if you look through the gospels alone you see jesus teaching you know dozens of things without you know we talked earlier about a visual aid yeah and and we we use we use his teachings and we listen to his teachings but the fact that for this particular thing he used a physical visual and and you know tangible aid 
something that not only they could do then, but we can do now. It's so much more than just reading it in the Bible or hearing somebody say it. It's it makes you feel connected to yeah. that moment. Yeah, and you know, as as a teacher, I think as a as a parent, we can understand as Jesus is doing this, and uh, this isn't the point, so I don't want to sidetrack too much to it. But we can look at how Jesus taught. How did how did he convey truth? And he did it in a way that connects with the whole person, mm-hmm. because truth connects with the whole person. Reality is the that's the soup that we're swimming in. And so if we don't if we don't connect as we're trying to communicate the gospel, as we're trying to communicate the truths of life, if we don't connect with the whole person, then we come up with this compartmentalized sort of faith. And we do that with our kids too. Our kids need to understand that this that that the reality of God isn't something we deal with on Sunday morning or we get together for, you know, a midweek program or something. It's not something we talk about at Easter and Christmas alone. Those are expressions of something that's part and parcel of every day, every moment, every cell of our lives. So that, um, you know, there, I just saw a thing. It's probably, it's probably a TikTok you sent me or oh, something, wow. <laughs> but which I, I do that. I haven't gotten as many recently, oh. so you've either been busy or depressed oh. or both. Uh, so it's both. As as we've been dealing with you know life, this the whole premise of this TikTok or Instagram or whatever it was that that got sent to me um, was that our children are not going to be changed just by the things that we teach them. They're, what's going to hit them most is our tears as parents, mm-hmm. as we weep over God's word. When they see mom or dad on the couch with the Bible open, weeping and praying over the word of God so that this is something that is part of me, not just something I'm doing for them, but something that is that is in me and it's my life and I'm living my life according to this. And then they see you know, mom and dad looking in the book and the book looking into mom and dad and, and the conviction that comes from that. And I, and I look at it, I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. I'm guilty of slander. I, you know, I'm thinking of somebody else, but I'm, I'm guilty of judgment as, as I'm doing this. And when they see that the repentance, the emotional connection and, and not just the emotional connection, but the emotional and intellectual connection. And then the connection with the volitional aspect where I'm choosing to obey God's word because I trust God and I believe him now I don't control the circumstances that come into my life. Amen. I mean, that's uh, amen, everybody. We don't, we don't control the circumstances that come into our lives, but I do control what I'm going to do about that. And that answers my next question because we're almost out of time, but um, our core reality, I'm going to mess it up unless I look at it. Um, Our core reality for Sunday was whoever feasts on Jesus Christ will be filled completely and have life eternally. And my question was going to be, okay, but what does it really mean to feast on Jesus? But I think you just answered that. I think that's really it is to, to, you know, to use the metaphor of the bread and the cup is to to imbibe, to mm-hmm. to drink deeply of who he is, to yeah. to uh, take, you know, as we see the bread, his body represents his suffering and to to take that in to ourselves, to make that ours, to own it, to to, you know, chew on God's word, to digest uh, the, the reality of who he is, the sufferings that Christ went through on our behalf and to make that part of every aspect of our being to, to drink in what this new covenant means to live our lives in the light of that, not just to talk about it, not just to sing songs of worship, but to live lives of worship. And 
you know, really to do that in front of others mm -hmm. and to do that when nobody else is looking. It, it's a whole life thing. And so this, this, that's kind of the picture that Jesus is giving in John 6. It's like, you know, you all are gathered here, not because you saw the signs and believe that I'm, I'm the, the one that God sent, but because you were digging the miracle, you want your belly filled. You, you came to get the, the free handouts. You wanted to get some food out of this and you're, you see me as the, the vending machine, uh, which is the temptation a lot of us face. And he's, he's like, listen, Moses didn't give the people in the desert. He didn't give them manna. My father did. Right. I'm telling you, I'm the true bread that the father sent. And that manna that sustained, that saved and sustained and, and uh, satisfied them, that's what I'm here to do, to, to save you, to sustain you and give you strength, to satisfy you in myself the, to find satisfaction in god uh our wednesday and friday groups are studying desiring god from john piper right now and that's the whole premise of it is god is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him mm -hmm. and i think that's really this principle of feasting on jesus that he's getting to is when you find your full satisfaction in me when when you are putting all your hope not in the things that i give but in me that's when you're going to find yourself saved, sustained, satisfied, and full. And that's what we're called to do. Okay. We will stop there for today. Thank you guys for listening. Sorry we went on a rant about pumpkin spice for a while. But what did you expect? Really? Moderately sorry. <laughs> uh, we're starting a new series next week. So come back and join us. It's First Thessalonians. Yeah, read right? ahead. First Thessalonians. Do it. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you later. <laughs>